0: I've been at this church longer than most of you have. I've been here since I was born. My mom works in the other building over here, so I've been around here my entire life, and never once did I think that I would be up here. I usually am up here, or behind the keys, or I'm just in the back. I'm not ever up here, and that's because I never thought that I was going to be up here, but A lot of circumstances happened, and I ended up getting up here. Weird story, and to make it short, um, there was a leader missing, and they were supposed to be coming, and they were speaking, and they were running late, and Justin was saying, she can do it if, if if the leader doesn't show up. And I was like, sure, I can do it, but didn't really think that this would ever actually happen, and here I am up here. And it was just mostly because of the tugging. The leader did show up, but it was the tugging of Jesus on my heart that did get me up here because I would never thought I would. I never thought that I'd be sharing my testimony up here, but I am. You know, tugging on your heart can be very hard at times. Sometimes when you have something hard going on in your life, it can be very hard. Or if you're really happy and content in where you are, it can be very hard to tell Jesus, yeah, sure, I'll do whatever you want or if something hard, like I said, was going on in your life, you really don't want to add just another thing to that pile or that mess that you have in your life. You know, I have an example of when I had something tugging on my life. So for those of you who can't tell, I was in band, or I am in band. And sixth grade, I joined band because my mom was like, hey, you have to be in student leadership. And I said, sure, okay, I can do band. Band is something I can do. I know how to play the piano. I know how to sing. I can do that. So I got up here. I did that for a while. But as seventh grade neared, I ended up hearing from a lot of people, you have homework. You have lots of homework that's going to show up. You have other things in your life that are going to take priority over this. And you're not going to be able to show up and make this a priority. And I was saying, this is going to be a lot. I'm listening to what all these people are saying. And I don't think I can add another thing to the pile. So I removed it from the situation. I removed it from the equation. And I left band for a while halfway into that season it comes up in January and on January 29th I had what looked like a seizure and that just added another thing to my pile because not one of the doctors could figure out what was going on not anyone in school would know I would have all these problems going on and then I had homework and then I had friends and then I had family problems my dog got lost it just seemed like a major pile And then God said, you're going back to band. And I was like, no, there's no way I'm going back to band. Because there's too much on my plate already. I can't add another thing on there. But too many people were telling me and showing me that I needed to be here. I had a leader who had been the leader of band who had been telling me, you belong here. You need to be up there singing. So eventually, I did come back. And so from that, I ended up coming up here. From that, just all those bad situations, led to this, led to me being up here, which was crazy. And tugging on your heart, something like that, is really hard. But there are many people who have that tugging, and God does not stay silent about that. Job is one of these people who had tugging on his heart. He went through so many hard things, and God still wanted him to love him, but he had the choice to love him. So we're going to go to Job 1 in the bible and it's on page 502 for those of you who are using this bible so verse one there once was a man named job who lived in the land of Uz. he was blameless a man of complete integrity he feared god and stayed away from evil so verse one they're talking about who he is as a man of god they're not talking about what's going to be said about the seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 oxen, 500 female donkeys. They're not talking about that. They're talking about who he is in God, his identity in God, that he's a man who fears God and stays away from evil. And that's not something that we normally do. We tend to show up in the things that are what what we see, what we see at surface level. If you were to ask me, who is Justin Herman, I would probably say, He's a guy with tattoos up to here, he's bald, and he's the junior high pastor. Nowhere in there did I say anything definitively, directly to who he is in God. I mean, yes, he's a pastor, that does show he has a relationship with God, that doesn't show anything about how he acts with God, how he acts because of God in his life, and that's a different thing than saying, oh yeah, he, he's a man of God, he fears God and stays away from eagle. He has complete integrity. That's completely different than what I would say if I were to be talking about Justin. So the Bible talking about Job's relationship with God, if if it talks about it first, that's usually the most important thing. People probably noticed him as a man of God. But then you can see when you read down in verse 2 and 3, it says he has seven sons and three daughters. He owns 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. So in society, he was seen as that person, the person who is rich, the person who has most of the stuff, the person who has enough profit because he has all these animals. And you don't see, after reading that, after reading the first verse, you don't see... That anymore. You don't really see God in that. You just see that he has blessed him. He has blessed him with all these things, and because of that, he fears God, and he stays away from evil. So he will not turn away because he fears God and shuns evil, but the fear that he's talking about is not fear. It's not scared. It's respect. It's a respect of God above himself. He's saying, I am second, and Jesus is first. God is first. He has given me these blessings and he could have completely turned away, said, God, give me these blessings. OK, I'm good. Thank you, God. I'm just going to go to these blessings and just stay with them. But he didn't. He kept acknowledging that Jesus gave him the blessings. The people that um, people have this hard time understanding, then why would God allow Satan to come in and uh, completely flip his life? Why, why would they why would he do that? If he had given him all these blessings, he acknowledged that Job had given him acknowledgement about what he had given him, but then he let Satan come in and flip his life. Why does he do that? He does that because he has given us free will. We have a gift from God called free will. Free will is that choice that we can make when we decide we're going to watch one more episode, even though our parents said one more episode. We're that one second where you just decide, oh, I'm going to let my friend do my homework tomorrow morning because I know that they will, and I'm just going to stay up tonight and do whatever I wanted to do. It's that second where you're just doing the wrong thing or you're doing the right thing. It's a choice. Free will is a choice. And so because God gives us this too, he wants us to make a decision. He doesn't want us to be robots, as most people would say. He wants us to make the choice to love him. We don't have to make that choice, though. We can completely shy away from him, but Job sets an example by showing that free will is a choice and that he makes the right choice. So in that, we're going to read verse 13 and 15, or I'm going to summarize 16 and 12. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves. So the angels are coming up to see him. They're they're going up to see Jesus and God, and Satan tags along, and pretty much what happens is he shows up, and God asks him, where have you been? What what have you been doing? And he says, I've been looking for someone to tempt. I've been looking for someone to change their life a little bit, alter their life so I can tempt them. And God says, well, have you seen my servant Job? And Satan gets very defensive about this and says, no, you have a hedge of protection around him surely, if you took that away, he would stray away from you. See, Satan thinks that if you took away everything, that he is known by by most people, not by God, not by who he is as a man inside his heart, but as he is known as a person. He thinks if you take that all away, he's going to stray away from God, because those are all the blessings in his life. And God says, you can do whatever you want to him, except for kill him, but he will not stray away from you because he's a man who fears God and he shuns evil. He pushes evil away. And again, he's giving Satan that, that ability to do that. People don't understand why he would do that. He's, if he was a good and understanding God, why would he do that? He does that because we have the choice to choose whether or not we are going to stay with God, no matter the hard times. So now we're going to read verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So, one of the things that makes him who he is is the oxen. And the people who take care of the oxen so he can sell them for money so he can get food from that he can provide for his family that's one of the things that makes him who he is in this part in what satan thinks who he is and they're gone the oxen are dead and so are the people who take care of them people who make sure that they are fat enough so they can sell them and kill them so that they can get money from that so that they can make him the richest person in that in that country us That's one of the things that makes him who he is in that society. So now that's gone. We're going to read verse uh, 16 now. While he was speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from the heavens and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So now another thing that makes him who he is in society is those sheep and the shepherds who take care of him, who take care of the, the sheep. They're both gone. Now they're gone. The people he has left in his life are his family, his servants. He's got maybe a couple animals who are still left. But most of what he has is gone. Most of what makes him who he is in society is gone. But his relationship with Jesus, Satan can't take over. We're going to read verse uh, 17 now. While he was speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So now, for sure, all of his animals are gone. Gone. He, can't ha- he doesn't have any more animals left. And now his servants are gone too. So the only things that he has left that make him who he is in that society are his family and his house, which really isn't a lot to make him the richest man in that country. And still, Satan is going to do more. But what's strange is notice he has not done anything that will keep his relationship with God in a stranglehold. It, it's mostly what makes him who he is in society, what God has blessed him with. It's not his relationship with God, it's not these terrible things that are going to make him question God, it's these terrible things that are making him question why God is doing this. Verse 18. Uh, uh, while he was speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So his children are dead now. So is the house? The house is gone. Everything that makes him who he is in that society, the richest man, is gone the only thing really left that he has is a reputation and his relationship with god and what's what's so weird about this is his entire family is gone he, his servants are gone and so are his animals so is everything that makes him who he is but who he is in god is not gone he has to make that choice, which is that free will that we were talking about. You know, if something similar to this were to happen to us, we'd probably lose our minds. If, we, if even one of those things happened to us, such as losing a family member, it makes us really sad. It, it isn't a great thing. It doesn't make you happy. If you were to lose your phone for five seconds, which is a less extreme measure, if you were to lose your phone, you freak out you leaders lose your keys to your car or your house, you'd probably freak out. But then you find it, usually. You usually find it afterwards. And what's weird is he's never going to get that back. He's never going to get those things back. His his family's dead, so are all of his animals, and so are his servants and the farm handlers. All those people and all those things are gone. So I have a video for you of uh, Justin's son of Seeing something that he loses and how he reacts to that, I'll explain it afterwards. So we can see from that he's definitely overreacting, but he did lose something still. He didn't gain anything back. He got it back afterwards, but he still lost something, and that still affected him. See, that's an example of what we grow up as. As kids, we learn that crying gets our way. We learned that as toddlers, if we're throwing a tantrum, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. We learn later in life that when we lie, it keeps us safe for a little bit. It keeps us in an area where we know we're not going to be hurt until it comes back to hit us. And as we grow up, we learn it's going to hurt us even more if we don't have something steady to hold on to. And Jesus is that base. And Jesus is the one thing that is keeping us sturdy down there, even when you have all these things going on in your life. So, I have an illustration of this. If I were to lean on these pole noodles, I'd probably fall, right? If I were just hold myself up and then let my legs go, I would probably fall. And that's what our life is like when we don't have something sturdy to hold on to. If we have a base, it may help a little bit, but When we have nothing sturdy to hold on to, it's going to make us fall. We're going to fall over. And no matter what we patch it up with, with these little lies that we tell ourselves, I feel fine. I don't feel what people are telling me about myself. You patch up a hole, still not sturdy. You may patch up a hole with, I don't need to mourn. I don't need to be that person who cries after someone dies or after a family member is gone. I don't need to be that person seen as a crybaby. You pull that off, you put it on. Still isn't sturdy enough. You can go through all of these things. We are okay. My, my relationships with people are okay. It doesn't hurt what people tell me. It, I don't need to worry. I don't need to worry about what's going on with whoever. My friends, my family, my parents maybe. When your parents may not be okay, they may be fighting to keep together so that they can provide for you. Or they may be fighting to the point where they are getting a divorce. Or maybe they already have a divorce or I have it all together. Because we really lie to ourselves about that. We don't always have it all together. And we may say that we do, and we may show up like we do, like we're that one person who just seems to have it all together when we really don't. So unsteady things cannot support us. And when it's flimsy like that, it's hard to stay up and strong. And so when you have something sturdy and strong it's able to keep you up. When, if I were to lean on these, would I probably stay up now? If I were to lift my legs, I'd probably stay up. If I were to lift one leg, at least I would. It's because it's a sturdy base. It's something strong. It's not going to break. It's not going to fall. So Jesus is that sturdy base. And notice Job didn't do any of those. He didn't patch up those holes with lies that he told himself. He didn't do any of those things. He didn't lean on a unsturdy base because he had a strong base. He had crutches to hold on to, and Jesus was those crutches. So we're going to go to verse 20 and read through 22. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not bl- sin by blaming Jesus. So what did he do? He, didn't, he did cry. He was sad. I mean, it makes sense. He lost all of his family. He lost everything that makes him who he is in that society. But he, he fell to the ground in worship. He tore his clothes in a sign of respect and fell to the ground in worship. Just saying, I, the Lord has taken everything from me, but praise the name of the Lord. We wouldn't have done that, right? If if we had lost all of our family members and everything that makes us who we were, we wouldn't do that. We'd probably go crazy. We we would lose our minds. But Jesus was his sturdy thing. Jesus was what kept him sturdy and kept him going. And because he had that sturdy base, he was able to keep firm. If he didn't have even that base, if he didn't, if he had something sturdy to lean onto, but he had no base, he wouldn't be able to stay up. He would have nothing to be on. He might have that sturdy stronghold, but he needed that base. And he had that base because no matter what was taken away from him, that base was his relationship with Jesus. So I have uh, have a story for you guys. um, So one day there was a man, and he lived in a town that was by like a big reservoir. And one day they had a flood warning and so the fire trucks came in, and he went to his house, and they said, come on, get in. Wh- what are you doing? We got to go. And he said, no, God's going God's to gonna protect me. Then the floods rose higher. He went to the second floor, and a boat comes by because that's how much water there was. And again, they're saying, get on. We'll take you as far as we can go. And he goes, no, I'm fine. God will protect me. Floods rise even higher. He has to go to the roof, and a helicopter comes by, and they say, come on, what are you doing? Get in. We gotta go. You're gonna die. And he says, no, I'll be fine. God will protect me. The floods rose even higher, and he ended up being swept away and drowned. And when he went to heaven, he asked God, I told all these people that you were gonna save me. I believed and trusted that you were gonna save me. Why didn't you? And God said, I sent you a fire truck and a boat and a helicopter. What more did you want me to do? And so that's, that's a picture of what God does for us. He does send these things for us. But if we're not watching out for what these little things are, we're not gonna be able to keep ourselves supported. If we're not standing on that firm base, we're gonna fall over. We're not gonna see these little things that are coming to help us. We still need to trust God and lean on him in tough times, but that doesn't mean that the tough times aren't gonna come. I know a lot of people tell you you're going to be fine if you just trust God. Just trust God. It's, it's kind of almost a mediocre thing. It's It's like a plain thing that people tell each other all the time. You just need to trust God more. Trust God in hard times, and you will be okay. But that's not always true. Tough times will come. Take it from me. No matter how much you tell people, I'm holding on. They'll tell you, you got to hold on stronger. you just got to believe in Jesus a little more. If you prayed a little bit more, you'd be okay. I don't know how many times I've been told that. And it's not always true. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes the tough times do go away, and sometimes it's so much easier. But for sure, if you trust on God, the tough times will become easier. doesn't mean that they're going to go away, but it will become easier. And that's what we need is easier. We need... We need to be able to have something strong and sturdy to hold on to. And so when we, when we need that thing, we usually need to tell God that. Because if we're not asking him for it, he's not just going to give it to you. you. You really need to make that choice that you need it. So there's a photo that we made. And what it says on there is it says, take faith. Today I cannot work through the struggle alone. I need you, God, to help me. If we were to just look at that, if we were to just say that to ourselves, what would it do? It would probably—it's it, a prayer to God. It's a little prayer. It doesn't need to be huge. And all you really need to do is just say that. You just need to acknowledge that God needs to be there. It doesn't mean that it's going to go away. It doesn't mean that it will get easier immediately. Sometimes it's maybe. Sometimes it's yes, no, but most of the time, you're not going to know for sure immediately. So when you have this, and we're going to pass out little ones later on of this, when you, when you look at this, if you were to put this on your mirror or just say this every day, not just one day, because if you say it one day, it's not, it's not going to continue on through your life. You've got to keep saying it. You've got to keep asking God to be there. What would it do? It would probably change our lives a little bit. It would make it easier to just keep going when you have a hard time. It'd make it easier to acknowledge that that person is there for you when they're asking how are you doing and you instead of answering fine say i'm actually not that great I, would, I i need some prayer would you mind sitting down with me and talking about what's going on in my life so there are a couple things that we can do to maintain this kind of lifestyle number one is that we need to not lose faith in any circumstance And this one's kind of hard to do because when you have all these tough times, you really don't understand why God would do any of these things, and you still believe that he's a good God. Why would he do that? And if you lose your faith in the circumstance, trust me, it will become much harder. It will not be easy to then continue on through that struggle and have something strong to turn on from. It, It will become crutches into noodles. It will not be easy to stand up on. You will not have a firm base to stand on when you lose your faith. But you need your faith so that you can get through it. Number two is that we need to keep our hearts clean. And this one's kind of hard to do in our society today. Because our society is one that listens to bad language, one that sees pornography or all these bad things that people do, which is not good. And if we 're watching these things, if we 're watching people do these things, if we 're doing things that we know we shouldn 't be doing it 's not going to keep our hearts clean it 's not going to make us able to stand in that position on strong firm foundation it 's going to be very hard to do, and if we keep our hearts clean it 's going to be easier to stand on that foundation, knowing i don 't have all these problems because i 'm doing this i 'm doing this i 'm standing firm because I know that God's with me, he forgives me, even if I'm doing wrong things, it makes it easier to just stand there in that position. And number three is that we need to hear and talk to God and others. When you're talking to God and you're telling him, like for example, that prayer that was on the screen, take faith, if you're just asking him to be there, it makes it easier to walk through life. It makes it easier to go through these hard times, just like all these other things make it easier And it may not make it go away immediately, or maybe it won't make it go away ever, but it will make it easier, definitely. And when you're talking to God, it makes it easier to talk to others. When you're talking to others in your life, they're able to pray over you. They're able to know that you're in that position, and then they're able to take care of you. They're able to be there for you. And I know for sure that if I hadn't been in a life group and talking to leaders and people in my life that had been strong, firm foundation in Jesus with those crutches and that base, I would not be able to be even up here or maybe up there. I wouldn't have been able to stay firm in my faith knowing that I will go through these, strong, these, tru- these huge struggles and still be able to do these amazing things that God has given to me. So Examples of what this would look like would be just going up to a friend and asking them how they're doing, because you feel God telling you, you're going through a, str- uh, struggle, uh, man, a struggle, and they're probably going through one too. You feel it tugging on your heart, and you, you know that that person's going through a struggle just like you, and it may not be the exact same struggle. It could be completely opposite, but at least you could be there for each other. At least you know that someone is there for you, so you need to be there for someone else. And sometimes it doesn't mean that you have to go up to another friend. It could be sometimes another friend will come up to you. And you just got to accept that God is sending that person there because he knows that you're going through a hard time. And he wants to be there for you. You got to accept that God will send someone into your life. And it could be a complete stranger sometimes. They could just walk up to you. I feel that you are going through a struggle. Can I pray for you? And sometimes, maybe he'll make you do that. Maybe you'll feel compelled to do that. And it's not going to come up immediately, but you're going to have a sensation where you're just like, you know what, God wants me to be there for others who are in struggles, just like I'm in a struggle. Because I guarantee you, if you haven't had a struggle, you're going to go through one. Life is not easy. Life is not a box of chocolates, which are just filled with great insides, caramels, and things like that. It's it's hard things sometimes where you're just, you open the box and sometimes there are termites or there are little cockroaches and it's gross and sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's really hard to understand why you were expecting something and life turns out another way. And if we were to just stand in that position and say, God, I need you here today. I need you to be able to come up and stand with me in that firm foundation so that my noodles here can turn into firm crutches. So that I can, I can stop telling myself all oh, these lies that I'm patching this up with and tell myself I have a strong foundation. I have a base to stand on. Because that's what Job did. Job still trusted that God was going to be there for him no matter what the problem was, no matter that everything was gone from him. Everything that made him who he was in society, except for his relationship with Jesus, was gone. And Satan was wrong. Satan didn't realize that he actually made it, made it even more strong connection with God. Because no matter what was gone, no matter what made him who he was in us, he was still in God's eyes, a man of God who feared God and shunned evil. So if we were to do that, if we were to just stand in that place and say, I need crutches, I need to be able to stand up on a firm base, what would our life look like? Our life would be probably easier. It, it may be, maybe not, but it would be easier to talk to other people. It would be easier to tell people, where you are in that position, in that struggle, it'd be easier to just walk up to a pastor or a leader that you know you can trust and just say, hey, I need some help. I, need, I need, just need to talk through this. Maybe not, maybe not exactly just for a while. Maybe I just need to just say something and hear someone that will have good wisdom about this. Or maybe they don't even need to talk. You just need to talk to someone so that they can listen to you because no one's listening to you. God's listening to you, if you feel that way. God's listening, and I'm sure that your leaders would listen to you if you came up to them and said that. So, with that, I'm going to pray over you guys, and I'm going to end the last 8th grade service of this year. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're an impossible God. You can do anything and everything, Help me to believe that you have faith in your abilities and not my own. Help me to focus on you and your power. My next step is going to be you, your next step. Today, I bring before you this difficulty in my life. Help me not to fear the situation that I am in, but to trust you in this situation. I proclaim my faith in your abilities to fulfill your promises with me. Thank you, Lord, for helping me with the little and the big things. And it is in your name that we pray, amen.
1: Amen. Ooh. Hey, give a big hand for Gigi. Wrapping up eighth grade. Hey, if you're in eighth grade, can you do me a favor? If you stand on up where you are and come up here to the front, if you're in eighth grade, because I want to get a photo with you, and I want to pray for you before you go. Come on up here. Boys in the back, come on up here. Come on up here. Reed, Okada, come on up here, come on up here, come on up here, Travis, come on, come on up here, I don't feel like having to explain to your mom why you're not in the photo, Prof, come on up here, come on, Prof. come on, get up here, get up here, come on, all right, you don't have to stand in a line, actually, <laughs> you don't have to stand in line, just get, get, you know, crunched together, because that's where the photo's being taken, all right, so you go get in the front here, go ahead. See so go yeah. See look at they're doing it. Are you going the very front, Reed. You guys, I want the very front. Yep, stand next to your buddy here. It's getting a photo together is such a hard thing. No, no, go. Don't be on this side. Go stand like you get in the front, the front row, the front row, boys. The front, the front. You know the front. Go to the front, the front, the front. No, no, that's not the front. The front is start a new front. Start a new front. Go ahead. That's okay. This is so difficult. Sixth and seventh graders, take note of how we're doing this, so we'll nail it next year. Oh, you sat on my foot. All right, stand on up. Stop touching each other. Stand on up. Stand up. All right, because I don't want to kneel. No, yeah, you stay kneeling. Okay, you stand. This is great. Okay, here we go. <laughs> are you ready to go, Adam? Do you got everyone in here? Hey, are you are you in this photo? Is he in the photo over there at the very end? All right, all right, everyone Smile. Perfect. We nailed it. We nailed it. All right. Hey, hold on. Don't go. Don't go. I'm going to pray for you guys before you go. The very last time you're in junior high next week, you'll be in there for Father's Day. The next week is jump up weekend. So let me pray for you guys before you go. Everyone in the room, can you extend a hand toward them? Because we're going to pray for them. Eighth grade, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our eighth graders. Thank you so much for how you have gifted them and their talents and what they've done here in junior high since they've been here. And bless them as they go off into high school. Bless them for what is next. Thank you for the legacy of leadership they've left in the room. We're so excited to see what next year holds for them in high school. They're just going to do such an incredible job. Uh, I am blessed to have been their pastor. Uh, Let them all come back and serve one day. Let them remember all the good times in junior high and bring them all back for glitter gold in a couple of weeks. We pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, 8th grade. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa whoa, whoa. No, whoa, whoa. We're not leaving yet. not leaving yet. Hold on, hold on. Go back to grab your seats. Sit down. I think we're leaving. We're not. You still have a couple minutes left. GG, you can go take a seat real quick. I'll take a seat real quick. This is the very last thing. Okay? This is very, very short, okay? Very, very short. <clears throat> Look at all of you, okay? This will be good because you, you can gain, get your energy up so that when, you know, when we open the door, you can go run and, you know, furiously. Thank you. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. I wanted to just point out two very quick things for you. Number 1, Luke, stop trying to make it. A, you keep The fact that you are standing there and you keep missing over and over again is hilarious, all right? And I want you to know that I know what you did to me the other day and you're going to get it, okay? You're going to get it. I wanted a bottle of water the other day, okay? A cold bottle of water. He found an open bottle, filled it up with dirty faucet water, okay? I wouldn't feed that to my dog, all right? And then then tightened it and then gave it to me as if it was a real bottle. And then he took $5 from me. That was the prize. And so he cheated to win, but I still love him as a brother, Luke. Everyone give Luke a big hand. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Two things I want to point out. Number one, if you are in 6th or 7th grade, soon you'll be in 7th and 8th grade. You will not be here next week. You'll be in there with your dads or moms for Father's Day. It's going to be great. And then we'll have the 4th and 5th graders in here. The following week, the last weekend in June is Jump Up Weekend. That is the weekend you take hold of the next grade that you will be in. We will start the challenge that week. So if you haven't gotten a summer calendar yet, they're at the Welcome Center. You need to get one so you know what you get points for. This year, we're making it very serious. We hired an accountant who will tally all the points. This is all very serious. And I really, really want eighth grade to win. Personally, I want eighth grade to win, okay, which is the current seventh graders. So I'm pulling for you. I'm pulling for you, future eighth graders. So just don't blow it, okay? Sixth grade, who's going to be seventh grade? I'm rooting for you, too, in a different way. But, you know, I'm really hoping 8th grade can pull it together. There's a good chance to pull it together. And VBS after parties. If you're serving at VBS, after VBS, we do burgers and stuff on the patio outside. Come hang out after VBS. Goes till 2. It's very easy. All right, everyone, on the count of three. Stand up, grab one of those cards that Gigi was talking about before you go. Run toward the door. See you all later. We love you in junior high. I'm going to miss you all. Did you just paper cut my elbow? Ow.